Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, December 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Sam Bankman-Fried had a hearing yesterday. The bail was set at $250 million. U.S. stocks had a horrible year, and some investors are pivoting back to bonds. Plus, we'll look at why 2022 was the year of the I Alone Can Fix It CEO. And it may be the turtlenecked founder, or it may be the guy in the suit who thinks that they alone have the key that will unlock the problems of this company. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Sam Bankman-Fried went before a magistrate judge in New York yesterday. The founder of the failed crypto exchange FTX had an enormous bond set, and an initial conference in Bankman-Fried's case is scheduled for January 3rd. Here's the FT's U.S. legal correspondent, Joe Miller, on what happened in that hearing yesterday. Firstly, we learned that despite the fact that Sam Bankman-Fried has, in the words of uh, U.S. prosecutors, orchestrated one of the largest frauds in American history, he will essentially be free until trial, or as free as you can get if you're confined to your parents' home. He'll be released on a $250 million bond, which government lawyers said was the largest ever pre-trial bond. And I think they said that in order to drive home the fact that they're not letting him off easy. The terms are very strict. He will have to be confined to the Northern District of California, which is where his parents live. He'll only be allowed to go outdoors for monitored exercise. He will uh, be wearing a location tracking bracelet and he will not be able to engage in any financial transactions over $1,000 without asking the government first. So Joe, I got to know, how is this guy affording bail right now? It's a very good question, because uh, if you remember in the uh, media tour that Sam Bankman-Fried was doing uh, before he was arrested in the Bahamas, uh, he told multiple journalists that he was down to his last $100,000 after FDX collapsed into bankruptcy. Uh, but it appears that this bond is secured against his parents' home uh, in, uh, in California, in Palo Alto, uh, and two further individuals will also have to secure the bond. They were not named yet. I think they are yet to be found. And the judge said that essentially uh, he wasn't particularly worried about Sam Bankman-Fried fleeing the country, uh, not least because uh, his assets have diminished somewhat, but also that he achieved sufficient notoriety, which will make it quite difficult for him to either, you know, flee the U.S. or or commit further crimes. Uh, So I think that's also part of the judge's decision in deciding to allow him to go to California. So kind of overall, Joe, how are things looking for the Bankman-Fried case? Yeah, the skies have really darkened for SBF over the last 48 hours. On uh, Wednesday night, while he was being extradited from the Bahamas to Westchester in New York, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, he announced that two of Bankman-Fried's most loyal and closest colleagues have not just pleaded guilty to fraud charges in relation to the FTX collapse, but have also agreed to work with uh, federal prosecutors. In other words, they've turned uh, state witness. And we learned on on Thursday, at roughly the same time as the uh, hearing of uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's hearing began, um, that uh, Caroline Ellison, who who ran FTX's uh, trading affiliate Alameda, which had access to FTX funds, and and Gary Wang, who is a, a co-founder of FTX, they agreed to cooperate fully in perhaps the cleanest process that you could hope for if you are a U.S. Uh, prosecutor. And that's incredibly bad news for Sam Bankman-Fried's uh, 
defence. And we heard during the hearing uh, that the government has dozens of witnesses lined up. So these aren't the only two people, apparently, that the uh, prosecutors, that federal prosecutors have managed to convince to cooperate. Joe Miller is the FT's U.S. legal correspondent. If you haven't heard, markets had a no good, very bad year. The S&P 500 fell around 20%, and the bond market had a massive sell-off. But it looks like investors are wading back into debt. It's the first time fund managers are favoring bonds since the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. The historic sell-off that bonds experienced this year boosted yields and caused prices to fall. So investors think they can buy low and actually get some income from highly rated bonds. Twenty twenty two had enough corporate drama to fill an entire book. But to our US business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson, one of the stories he covered stands out in his mind. For me, the most colorful story, but also the one that encapsulated so many big trends in corporate America and in markets this year was the story of the rise and fall of Peloton. Yes, Peloton, the company behind those high-tech stationary bikes and workout gear. Peloton stock blew up 400% during the pandemic, thanks to people being stuck at home wanting to exercise. Things were good for then-CEO John Foley. Executives were spending big. And then, when vaccines started bringing things back to normal, things got real bad for the business. Edge explains what happened next. So suddenly, Peloton hits a cash flow crisis. And what we discover is that it's also been cutting corners. And our reporting exposed that they were shipping bikes that had actually been rusting in a corner of the factory. But early 2022, suddenly reality hits. We have thousands of layoffs. John Foley himself is persuaded by the board to step back. And in comes a hard-bitten former chief financial officer for Netflix and Spotify, a guy called Barry McCarthy. And his message is, it's time to get real. Isn't this story, though, Edge, also one about the end of cheap money? I mean, Peloton and other companies had access to all this cheap money thanks to pandemic stimulus measures and low interest rates. I mean, that's got to be part of it, right? This is absolutely a story from the easy money era. And it's juiced by this tech story that has dominated markets for the last couple of years. And it's a particularly extreme example of that. Obviously, the Apples and the Amazons and the Microsofts and the long-established tech businesses have really driven market valuations for some time now. But we've also had these pandemic stories within that tech story, like Zoom, like Netflix, and like Peloton, that were predicated on the idea that our behavior as consumers had fundamentally changed, and we were going to spend much, much more of our time in front of screens and much less time out in the real world. What actually happened was, as soon as we had a chance to get back out in the real world, that's what we wanted to do. Okay, Edge, so I want to talk to you about another trend from this year, and that's the outsized role of CEOs. I mean, you had Bob Iger returning to run Disney. You had Howard Schultz coming back to run Starbucks. What is your takeaway about how CEOs performed in 2022? This is the era of the I alone can fix it CEOs. But I think what's going on here is the CEO's job is hard. Very few of them are good at juggling all the disparate demands on a modern CEO. And 
a few of these individuals get carried away with the idea that because they've done it before, only they can do it again. And what fascinates me is I spend a lot of time writing about ESG. We're in the age of environmental, social and governance investing. And the G stands for corporate governance. And the idea was that boards were supposed to balance out the totemic CEOs, the kind of Jack Welch era individuals who we all put on a pedestal. But what's actually happening is that there's still a massive imbalance of power between CEOs and the boards who are trying to, who are supposed to tell them when it's time to go and hand over to somebody else. So do you think this is going to change anytime soon, Edge? I think there will be pressure for, from investors, largely, for boards to do better on succession planning and to show that they're not excessively beholden to a single individual. And we've seen in other countries outside the US, notably the UK, a pushback against the idea of combining the chair and CEO and a single individual on a board. So I think that is the direction of travel long term. At the same time, corporate cults return year after year. And it may be the turtlenecked founder, or it may be the guy in the suit who thinks that they alone have the key to that will unlock the problems of this company. But we do see corporate America, the wider corporate world, fall into this trap of hoping again and again that one individual will fix it. Andrew Edgecliff Johnson is the FT's US business editor. Thank you, Edge. It was a pleasure, Mark. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. We're taking a break next week for the holidays, but we'll be back in your feeds in the new year. Make sure you check back on Tuesday, January 3rd for the latest business news. See you in 2023. The FT News Briefing is produced by Sonia Hudson, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from David De Silva, Michael Lello, and Gavin Coleman. Our executive producer is Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.